Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, 
vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Welcome to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon, or tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. If you're listening in the free show archive at thesecretteachings.info or the many radio and podcast players, welcome to the show. And a special welcome to those of you listening in our advertisement-free archive, at thesecretteachings.info, which also gets you access to our montage archive. We have a new montage I'll be playing tonight, bringing us in from break. You'll also get my digital books if you are a subscriber, so thank you so much for supporting the show in that way. Other ways to support the show and keep up with what we're doing, check us out on Patreon for behind-the-scenes videos and more. Check us out on social media at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings as well as Gab and Gitter. Please follow us on Gab and Gitter. We're building an audience there. And if you'd like to check out my books, each book has its own page on our website, Occult Arcana Food Philosophy and the Technological Elixir. There's also our affiliate sponsor, Pro One Water Filters. That's Pro One Water Filters, formerly Pro Pure. If you click the link on our website at the top of the page and you purchase something, we get a small percentage of that. Thank you to all of you, and I hope that you've utilized those water filters, those of you who have purchased those water filters through our website, again, thesecretteachings.info. And if you're listening on one of the many radio and podcast players, leave us a little message at the bottom, let other people know what you think of the show, and give us a couple of stars, whatever you think that we are worth. I've noticed that uh, I think we got 36, 35, 36 five-star reviews since we republished the show to Apple Podcasts. That's a lot of five-star reviews, and I really appreciate that because it also encourages other people to, to check out the show if they see it has a good rating and some good comments. Again, www.thesecretteachings.info. And if you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. I thought we would move in the complete opposite direction of last night's show. If you missed last night's show, Mutual Assured Destruction, it is in the archives right now. And I went back and listened to it today. And I thought the last 20 minutes summed it up best, even if you just forward to the last 20 minutes, the last segment. I thought that really summed up the show best, and I was happy with how the show turned out. And I think that our audience last night enjoyed it as well, because we had a lot of people tuned in from all over all over the world, listeners in Australia, Japan. We also have uh, listeners in, a lot of listeners in Florida, a lot of listeners in New York. So, Again, I appreciate you supporting this show, and I appreciate the trust that you instill in me to bring you the type of commentary that I can bring you five nights a week. And tonight's topic 
is a subject that it's been right in front of our face. It's something we don't think about. What is it? Well, it's the moon. When's the last time you thought about the moon seriously? Have you ever thought that the moon, that this planetary satellite that we have, is anything except just a moon? Have you ever considered that or thought that? Probably not. I hadn't either until about eight years ago. You know, I'm, I'm like 23 years old, 22, 23 years old, eight years ago. And I came across some information about the moon. I first read it in Alien Agenda by the journalist Jim Mars, our, our friend Jim Mars, who passed away a couple of years ago. And then I read it in a David Icke book. And David Icke had referenced the book by Alan Butler, who we interviewed here on the show with uh, Scott Walter's wife, Janet Walter, about the Nation of the Goddess, uh, that book, if you remember that. Alan Butler wrote a book called Who Built the Moon, where David Icke took a lot of his information from. And then there are a handful of other books, one of them going back to the 60s, called uh, Somebody Else is on the Moon by George Leonard. And this is a really interesting book because... George Leonard analyzes the photographs from some of the Apollo missions. And, uh, you know, unless you look at these photographs in super duper high quality, it's kind of hard to, to see all of the anomalous subject matter that George Leonard sees. But th- this isn't just George Leonard or Alan Butler, or David Icke or Jim Mars, people like this writing books on the moon going back to the 1960s. This is NASA. Some of these authors have just pointed out what NASA and top scientists have said or they've suggested about the moon since the Apollo missions and even before. That the moon is itself an anomaly. The moon, as we know the moon, should not exist in the place that it exists. It is an astronomical and I mean that in a lot of different ways, an astronomical anomaly. It doesn't make sense that the moon is where it's at. It doesn't make sense that the moon is the size that it is, and the moon has all of these bizarre anomalies on its surface and within it. Because to say to somebody, the moon is hollow, yeah, that sounds crazy. But when you start to read what NASA and top scientists have said for decades, you realize that idea doesn't come from some internet forum. The idea that the moon is hollow doesn't come from some conspiracy website or conspiracy book or conspiracy radio show or conspiracy TV show. The idea that the moon is hollow comes directly from NASA because NASA utilized Apollo 12 and Apollo 13 to test seismographs placed on the moon, and they found that vibrations go directly through the planet or the planetary object, the moon, whatever it is, and they don't come back. They go straight through this object. So I want to tell you 
what I found out about the moon tonight. And uh, one of the major reasons is I got to see that movie Moonfall about a week and a half ago. And, uh, you know, it was a cheesy Independence Day-like, 2012-like movie. It was actually almost exactly like 2012, from the character development to the CGI of the of the cars racing in the middle of this apocalyptic-like disaster. It was really similar to 2012. I think it would have been a better movie if it would have been more than like 90 minutes, but it, it jumped around too much, and there really wasn't a lot of story building. It was just too fast, too quick. And, I, I mean, I, I liked it because of the subject matter, but overall, I thought it was, you know, it's a pretty horrible movie. But the the movie brought this idea to the public's attention. The movie tells us that the moon is a megastructure. And that when NASA slammed Apollo 12 and Apollo 13 equipment into the moon, it rang like a bell. It rang like a gong. It rang like it was hollow. So NASA thought, well, the core is either very, very small or there's no core at all. And we all know the quote from Carl Sagan that a natural body cannot be hollow. Now, I'm just giving you the preliminaries right now. I'm going to go through all the specifics and all the details tonight on the show. So if you're interested in this, Get a pen, get a pencil, get a piece of paper, and start marking this stuff down. But in Moonfall, if you haven't seen Moonfall yet, I don't want to give out any spoilers, but Moonfall is about the moon being a megastructure. The moon is hollow. The moon is a a Dyson sphere. It's a megastructure built around a white dwarf star to generate energy from that star. And NASA knew that the moon wasn't just a random organic satellite of the earth. And they covered that up for years. And then it came back to, to bite them in the butt because the moon essentially came alive and well, it falls out of the sky and it comes within the the Roche limit, which is the limit in which a, a satellite of a planet, once it approaches that, that limit, if it goes beyond that limit, uh, the gravitational pull of the home planet will start to break that object apart and it'll just, you know, basically shotgun blast the planet with, you know, city-sized pieces of debris and cause total and absolute destruction from, you know, gravitational issues, the waves of the ocean, uh, things like that. So this was basically the Moonfall movie. They crammed a lot of stuff into it. You had this one guy who was um, who was aware of all this stuff. He had studied it. He was kind of like the conspiracy theorist guy. He was like uh, Woody Harrelson's character in 2012. You know, he was living out at Yellowstone and eating the pickles, and he knew about Earth crust displacement, and he knew that 2012 was the year that the world was going to end and, and whatnot. And so if you watch this movie, there there's these like this undercurrent of climate change. You know, we knew that the moon was going to, to, to break apart and strike the earth. And, you know, we knew that, you know, nature was going to, 
to cause, you know, or there was going to be these big destructive things that were going to happen. Nature was going to, to destroy our civilization and, you know, we didn't do anything about it. So I, like I pick that up in the movie, but the main idea is the moon is a mega structure. The moon is hollow. The moon is a, is a Dyson sphere. And, uh, you know, there, there's political undertones too, because we shut down the space program. And so we didn't really investigate the moon or space much more the space shuttles are in museums and you know, there, there there's nothing we can, we can really do. I also picked up that anti-American propaganda in it because there's a, a Chinese girl in the movie, of course, and she's talking to the stupid American boy who doesn't know how to start a car. And she's like, you don't know how to start a car, right? And I'm just thinking, this is disgusting. I, I, I don't even know if I can watch this. And then the moon falls out of the sky and I'm like, okay, despite the Chinese propaganda, I'm going to watch the visuals because it's, you know, the moon's falling out of the sky. I got to watch it. So <laughs> it's, it's not only the moon falling out of the sky, though. Uh, the, the moon is like, it's like a spaceship. And there's an AI controlling it. And I mean, this is all stuff you can read in the synopsis of the movie. Um, I won't give out any, any more details, but one of the things you see in the Moonfall preview is this black swarm of like nanobots or some kind of mechanical robotic technology. And that takes the idea of the hollow moon and the megastructure and the Dyson sphere to a whole nother level. So now you've got megastructure, Dyson sphere, hollow moon, black nanotech, like almost like a black goo type substance or like a programmable matter like uh, Transformers or something like that. You've got this, and then you've got the history of of Earth and what created the moon, and you know, to watch the movie to figure all that stuff out and see what they're saying. But th- this, is, this is what Hollywood shows us. And, you know, I thought it was kind of a cheap movie in the sense of, like, where is the credit to people like George Leonard? Where is the credit to people like Alan Butler, people like David Icke, Jim Mars, myself? I've talked about the moon being hollow for years since I began radio. Where's my credit? Roland Emmerich decides to do a movie and he makes a billion dollars from it. And everybody thinks, well, that's just a cool story. There's nothing behind that. Maybe maybe the Carl Sagan quote is correct. You know. Maybe that whole thing about NASA and Apollo 12 and Apollo 13 is correct. But, you know, what does that mean? That doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't really matter. On February 27th, just a few days ago, Life Science published a story that the Earth's core is also not what we thought it was. According to these researchers, publishing their findings in the journal Nature last month. Scientists had believed the Earth's deepest recesses consisted of molten outer core elements surrounding a densely compact ball of solid iron. Well, it turns out that's not exactly true. Although they're basing this off of computer simulations, they're saying the Earth's hot and highly pressurized inner core could exist in a super ionic state, basically a whirling mix of hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon molecules just sloshing through a grid-like latus of iron. According to the researchers, we find that hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon in hexagonal close-packed iron transform to a super ionic state under the inner core conditions, showing high diffusion 
coefficients like a liquid. This suggests that the inner core can be in a super ionic state rather than a normal solid state, which I think was also what the sun did to the earth in that movie 2012, and that caused the massive earth crust displacement that just launched the continents into like into bumper cars and it created these massive tsunamis and and whatnot if you if you saw that movie 2012 so now scientists are saying hey we think the earth's core is actually basically a combination of different gases sloshing together in a liquid form through a grid of iron and the the thing about this is we have no idea what the earth's core is i mean we can we can speculate. I can pick up books on the earth and geology. I mean, I could go to a university and I could pay a lot of money to take an earth science class to get some earth science credits. And I could be told that the earth's core is iron. And if I don't put that on the test, I fail. And yet... I could have taken that test on February 8th and failed because I said I don't think the Earth's core is iron. And then February 9th, a big publication in Nature, the Earth's core, they think, is actually hydrogen, oxygen, carbon molecules sloshing around in this liquid-like gas through a grid-like latus of iron. And the next day, after that test, after I failed, I'd have been vindicated. Not even because I knew that, but just because I don't believe the Earth's core is, is solid iron. And see, here's the thing. I'm not promoting the idea of moral relativism or relativism about science or philosophy or history or anything, life in general. But I have a hard time believing the main line narratives when there is no space left for open debate on those subjects. You're not allowed to discuss the core of the earth. A couple of scientists discuss it. A couple of scientists suggest it's not solid. Where is the main line mainstream coverage of this? Are they now teaching this as an alternative in college? Probably not. Are they teaching this in high school, in earth science classes? See, you know, I always thought if I had a kid... I do have a son, but if I had a kid in like, you know, high school or middle school and I was keeping them up to date on this kind of stuff and we were looking at it together and I was like, hey, buddy, check this out. Look at this study. Go tell your earth science teacher that new scientific information shows the earth's core is actually a liquid like gaseous state of sloshing gases like hydrogen and carbon uh, molecules and oxygen molecules. And uh, I always thought, what, what, would, what would my son or my daughter's teacher think? What, how would they act to that? You know, that, they, that the kid would be, my son or my daughter would be, you know, a laughingstock. They'd probably fail their tests. This, this is the problem with our education system. I remember reading, I got one of those big books at Barnes & Noble years ago, like 12, 13 years ago. It was before I ever got into radio. Because I, I, when I got out of high school, I, I started reading about physics because I was interested in physics. And I remember getting this big book about the solar system along with some other science books at Barnes & Noble. And I remember flipping through it and I was reading about the moon. And it said the moon has a core. And it, and it was a couple of years after that, I remember having looked at that book when I learned that NASA 
did experiments with the moon and found that the core of the moon is essentially non-existent. And I remembered back to that book, and I thought, wait a minute, that book said the Earth, or excuse me, the, the moon has a, has a solid core, and also the Earth has a solid core. But NASA knew, I mean, literally half a century ago. NASA knew half a century ago that this, this is not true. So what the hell? <laughs> and and now we have scientists saying the Earth's core is is not solid. It's it's carbon molecules, it's gases, oxygen, hydrogen, and it just kind of sloshes around. I don't know if that's true either. But see, this is the thing we don't know, and that's not promoting the idea of scientific relativism. Some things we do know, but we don't know what the core of the Earth is, and we can only speculate what the core of the Moon is or isn't in the sense that it doesn't exist. And what does that tell us? What do all of these anomalies with the moon tell us? Well, what, what does it mean if the moon is actually hollow? What does it mean if the, the mass cons, the mass concentrations of material are not within the moon, they're on top of the moon? What does it mean when Kubrick's A Space Odyssey is based on you know, humans picking up this, this magnetic anomaly on the moon and around the same time, NASA had just discovered there are gravitational anomalies on the moon causing some of the probes originally sent to blow past the planet or to crash into its surface. Things they didn't expect, things they didn't plan for. How is it the moon can be placed in such a precise position? It's like Alan Butler and Christopher Knight said in Who Built the Moon? It's like it was made with the the hands of a of a of a Swiss uh, clockmaker. The way that the moon is constructed, the way the moon is placed at this perfect position between the Earth and the Sun. The moon is four hundred times smaller than the Sun, and four hundred times closer to the Earth than the Sun, meaning that it looks the same size in the sky. The moon is rotating at a rate of four hundred kilometers every Earth day. And the Earth is rotating at 40,000 kilometers a day, and the moon is turning, you know, about 100 times less. It's all a little bit too perfect. And it's something we don't see anywhere else in our solar system. It's something that has baffled scientists. We don't even know how the moon was formed. There is, there is not a conclusive theory on how that object in the sky was formed. Ask around. Look it up. They have no idea. Tonight, we're going to try to get to the bottom of it here on The Secret Teachings. www.thesecretteachings.info. The music, white, bad audio. Stay with us. We'll be back. It's The Secret Teachings Radio, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, exclusively airing on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform, from Apple to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available is The Secret Teachings Weekends, our one-hour Saturday morning show. Search the name and start listening today for free. But if you want to avoid those annoying ads, head on over to thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to the ad-free archive. It's got old shows, new shows, and you can also download Ryan's digital books. Subscribe today. What are you waiting for? The end of the world? 
If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of my research in your hands, visit our website and grab physical and digital copies of my books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, theology, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. And food philosophy might just change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Remember, shipping is always included with the books. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and get your copy today. The Secret Teachings is now on Gab and Getter. Search Ryan Gable on both to find the show or stick with The Secret Teachings in the Metaverse. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny we are broadcasting from that neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. Do you have everything you need to explore The Secret Teachings? I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. Looks like SpongeBob's ready. Are you? Hey, this is Charlie Robinson, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. This is David Icke from DavidIcke.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Our entire space race of the 1960s was in response to an event. This is Apollo 18. Do you copy? July 20th, 1969. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. In school, you were taught that Apollo 11 lost contact with the world for two minutes. We now have had confirmation of loss of signal from Apollo 11. Apollo 11 is on the far side of the moon. Neil, you are dark on the rock. Mission is a go. We have 21 minutes. something on that day. We're dealing with an intelligent entity. That they kept hidden for 50 years. Dyson Sphere. And now, it's too late to stop. Strange pulsating lights emanating from beneath the moon's crust. Famed cosmologist Carl Sagan's work where he clearly states that an actual satellite can not be a Logical space anomaly. So, this so called swarm hit the shovel? Yes. Every megastructure has a rigid shell built around the power. To put it blunt, the moon's megastructure. Do you get it? 
huge and artificial. But don't even get me started on eclipses. They're only possible because the moon is exactly 400 times smaller than the sun and exactly 400 times closer to the Earth. When Apollo 12 dropped their empty fuel tank, the impact made the moon ring like a bell. Oh! It rang for hours. And you know why? Because the damn moon is hollow. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. You know, our moon is a very peculiar thing, and we don't think a lot about it. We kind of take it for granted. We make these elementary assumptions about its history, its makeup, and its countless anomalies. Yes, the moon itself is an anomaly, but the moon is filled and covered with additional anomalies. And there are no solid theories on how the moon was formed, on its physical composition, or how a natural body can be both hollow and have these mass concentrations, mass cons they call them, of heavier material on the outside, on the surface, rather than at the center. Our moon is anything but easy to explain through conventional scientific knowledge and photos of its surface that read more like a science fiction story than a dead rock that NASA says the moon is. And it seems that the idea of the moon landing hoax, I've talked about this for years, the idea of the moon landing hoax is just a clever psychological ploy to direct attention away from the obvious anomaly that we face every time we look up into the night sky. And sometimes when we look up into the daytime sky and we see the moon there. Waxing, waning, we don't really think a lot about it. The moon has a diameter of 2,160 miles, roughly. The Earth is a few hundred thousand miles from the moon. And the moon is in a perfect position, just beyond the Roche limit, that, scientifically speaking, mathematically speaking, stops the moon from bombarding the planet, like in the movie Moonfall that just came out a few weeks ago. And they talk about the Roche limit. As the moon passes the Roche limit, the gravitational effect of both these planetary bodies, it starts to pull the moon apart. And then it's like a shotgun blast. It just all over the surface of the planet. It turns oceans over. It sends city-sized chunks of debris down onto the planet. But our moon doesn't do that. Our moon is actually... Very slowly, mind you, but our moon is actually moving away from our planet. But it's at a a, a tiny fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a measurement that is really incomprehensible in terms of, of time for us humans anyway. We know the moon rotates on its axis at the same rate as it revolves around the Earth. So we always see the dark side of the moon. And when I think of the moon in that way... I think not only is that something that's, that's kind of unknown and unseen and, and, and unnatural, at least by human standards, but it, it feels like the moon is, is meant to show us that near side all the time while preserving something on the far side. It's almost like it's an eyeball, an eye in the sky, watching what we do, monitoring our planet. And that perhaps those watching our planet, monitoring our planet, perhaps they have a base 
Or perhaps they have several bases, or perhaps they have some kind of communications outpost, something on the dark side of the moon. Now, obviously, as a result of this anomaly, let's call it, people have speculated on that very thing. The Nazis have a base on the far side of the moon. There's aliens on the far side of the moon. But you don't have to go to the far side of the moon to find evidence of intelligent design. You don't have to go to the far side of the moon to find evidence of lunar habitation in the past or today in the present. You can find that on the near side of the moon just as much as you can find it on the far side of the moon. The intelligent design and not necessarily an intelligent design from what we call God, but an intelligent design from somewhere in the universe seems to be the only reasonable, logical conclusion that we can come to as per what our moon is, how it was formed, and how and why it's in this perfect position that it's in where the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun But since it's 400 times closer to the Earth than the Sun, it looks exactly the same size. The moon also rotates at a rate of 400 kilometers a day. And the Earth is rotating at 40,000 kilometers a day. So the moon is rotating at a precise 100 times less than the Earth. It's all just this incredible mathematical precision that shows some kind of of divine, intelligent design and planning. Now, researchers like Alan Butler and Who Built the Moon have pointed out a lot of mathematical and anomalous and engineering, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, details and facts that anybody who reads Who Built the Moon is going to be stunned. First of all, it's an easy book to read. But if you read this book, you're going to be stunned at what Alan Butler and his partner Christopher Knight figured out. They figured these things out, that if you divide the size of the moon by 100, take that size of the moon by 100, divide it by the size of the earth. The size of the earth is usually given the number of 366. Alan Butler calls this the pin number of earth. This is the circle of the earth. The circle of the earth in some ancient cultures, had 366 degrees rather than our typical 360 degrees. So you take the moon, size of the moon, and you divide it by the size of the Earth, you get 0.27322, the orbital length around the planet. If you look at the issue the other way around, Alan Butler says, the size of the moon, which is our planetary regulator compared to the planet Earth itself, it has the same numerical value, 27.322% of its parent. Its parent, of course, being the Earth. For every 10,000 of our planetary days, the moon completes 366 orbits around the planet. If you multiply the circumference of the moon by that of the Earth, you get 436,669,140 kilometers. If you then divide that number by 100, you arrive at 436, uh, 669 kilometers, which is the circumference of the sun, correct to 99.9%. And if we divide the circumference of the sun by that of the moon and multiply by 100, we get the polar circumference of the earth, 
If we divide the size of the sun by the size of the earth and multiply by 100, we get the size of the moon. Kind of weird, right? We also know that since the 1990s, the earth has been decelerating, meaning the orbital velocity is almost exactly one ten thousandth of the speed of light in a vacuum. At 29,780 meters per second, the variance is less than two-thirds of one percent. There are the same number of Earth diameters in the sun's diameter as there are sun diameters between the Earth and the sun. The moon has a beautifully neat 100 megalithic yards to each second of arc. The sun has an incredibly round 40,000 megalithic yards to each megalithic second of arc. Now, a lot of this is, you know, mathematics that I have to look at. I'm not a mathematician, so I have to look at this. I have to try to, you know, figure out what these what these numbers mean. Famous quote from the book Who Built the Moon? If we look at the available information logically and without preconceptions of what is and is not possible, the moon appears to have been inserted into the sun-earth relationship with the accuracy of a proverbial Swiss clockmaker. Again, that is the semi-famous quote from Who Built the Moon? David Icke also wrote in Human Race, Get Off Your Knees, and some other books about the moon. Jim Mars wrote about the moon. George Leonard wrote about the moon in a book that's kind of hard to find called Somebody Else's On the Moon. I ordered a copy of this about a week ago. It came in a couple of days, and I read through all 218 pages in about 72 hours, and then I read through, I'm on like the last few chapters of Who Built the Moon, the appendix section there. I read that in about, oh, actually, I stayed up pretty much uh, all day and all night, and I finished most of that book, Who Built the Moon. Uh, Also, uh, we found Alien Bases on the Moon. It's another book. I've got a copy of that's kind of a rare book. So I've read through all these books, Alien Agenda by Jim Mars, all the David Icke books, and I've I've cross-referenced these anomalous facts and the, the, the mathematical details, which I think is the hardest thing to, to really process and comprehend. You know, the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun. The moon is 400 times closer to the earth than the sun, so it appears the same. This is how we can get these total eclipses. The moon is rotating at a rate that is, that is equal and relative to that of, of the earth, but 100 times less than the 40,000 kilometers a day or kilometers a day. And, you know, if you do these divisional things by by 100, you get the, uh, I think is the most, you know, crazy thing, the most insane thing is you divide the circumference of the sun by that of the moon and multiply by 100, we get the polar circumference of the earth. If we divide the size of the sun by the size of the earth and multiply by 100, we get the size of the moon. I mean, it's just, I think it's, for those of you who don't even understand the mathematical elements of this, and, and I don't fully understand them either, I mean, it is really weird to say the very least we can keep it right there it's very very weird but you know the rest of this is easier to understand and it gets even weirder for example if you look at the rocks that we have on planet earth one of the oldest datings we have of a rock is 3.5 billion years And I know that some people don't believe the earth is more than a few hundred or a few thousand years old. I know that some people don't believe that the moon is a real thing. It's a light bulb in the sky. See, I think the idea that the earth is flat and the moon and the sun don't exist 
are in the same league with humans never went to the moon. Personally, I think humans went to the moon. I don't believe in the official reasoning for those missions. I don't necessarily believe that there was an actual true competitive race to get to the moon with the Soviets. And I don't believe that we've seen all of the photographs, all of the videos, especially not in color, of the moon. And I think that what we have seen has been played off on the public's lack of interest and general unkeen sense of observation. And today we don't really have much of, a, of an interest in space, of an interest in the moon. I mean, people can say that this is some big cover-up. I don't even know if it's a big cover-up. I think it might be one of the most out-in-the-open, one of the most public displays of hiding something in plain sight that, that we've ever had in human history. And, and literally, it's in plain sight. So whether you believe the Earth is flat or the moon doesn't exist or the, the moon landings were faked, I think a lot of that is meant to deter our attention away from these incredible details and these incredible anomalies associated with Earth's moon. Because again, the oldest rocks on Earth are 3.5 billion years old. The Earth is dated to about 4.5 to 4.6 billion years. However, moon rocks, some of those date to 4.5 billion years, meaning that some of the moon rocks are as old as Earth or older. And radioactive dating techniques applied to meteorites suggest that the solar system is 4.6 billion years old. In, in other words, some of these rocks are about the same age as the solar system. There's also reports that the chemical composition of the dust is not only different from the rocks, but possibly older. Some of what we have on the moon might be older than our solar system, meaning that the moon might not entirely be from our solar system. Now, there's some evidence to suggest that the moon is from our solar system, but these are the kinds of strange anomalies that have led scientists to conclude that they have no idea what the moon is, where the moon's from. They can't quantify it. They can't process it. So we don't have much of an interest in it because scientists can't explain it. Astronomers can't explain it. A, a, a few researchers like Alan Butler, who's a former engineer, and journalists like Jim Mars and people like David Icke and people like George Leonard, who wrote Somebody Else's on the Moon, like they can put together their analysis of this, but the mainstream scientific community wants nothing to do with it. They can't explain it, so it's irrelevant to even discuss or talk about. And if the, the, the dust on the moon is older than the rocks, well, that runs totally contrary to the idea that the dust results from weathering and breaking up of rocks. Of course, you know, things can come from outside our solar system, strike the moon, and then maybe we get that sample by chance. But it's really weird because if you look at the moon, these mass concentrations on the surface of the moon cause gravitational anomalies. And that's not really consistent with the theory of relativity, considering that not only is the moon mostly hollow, but most of the heavier material, the dense material, is not inside the moon. It's actually on the surface of the moon which makes even less sense. I mean, if anybody can figure this out, you're a genius. All right, you know something that 
none of the top scientists, none of the top journalists, none of the top researchers, no radio host, no one's ever been able to conclusively figure out what the moon is and who built it. And that, again, is the name of Alan Butler and Christopher Knight's book, Who Built the Moon, where they say the moon is bigger than it should be, apparently older than it should be, and much lighter in mass than it should be. It occupies an unlikely orbit and is so extraordinary that all existing explanations for its existence are fraught with difficulties, and none of them could be considered remotely watertight. And that's, that's a fact. There is no explanation for how the moon was formed. There are theories but there's no explanation for how our moon came into existence. And we'll get into that here in just a few minutes. The moon itself has a, has a spin rate that the moon itself should have a wobble, according to scientists, but it doesn't. It should have a bulge on its near side because it's being pulled to the earth, but it doesn't. It has a bulge on the far side. The rate of spin for the moon is equal to that of the Earth in the sense that we always see the near side of the moon. And the moon seems to have been placed in the exact course and the exact speed, making it a perfect fit between the Earth and the sun so that all of the mathematics align between the sun, the Earth, and the moon, almost as if Earth is Adam and the moon is Eve and something was taken out of the earth, a rib, to make the moon, which is what Alan Butler suggests in Who Built the Moon, if you've never read that book. The moon does a lot more for us than just reflect and light up the night sky. Earth has an angle of 22.5 degrees, which is held in check by the moon, making the moon a gigantic planetary stabilizer, giving us seasons, climates, and liquid water. If we were tilted in any other direction, straight on, more to the side, scientists believe that the Earth would basically be uninhabitable as we know it today without the moon and without that slight tilt and that slight wobble that gives us the seasons, the climates, the liquid water, etc. The moon is also thought to be responsible for plate tectonics, because according to scientists and astronomers, we don't find plate tectonics in the way we do here on Earth anywhere else in our solar system. We also know that the moon is intimately connected with the female menstrual cycle. In fact, menstrual, the word, is derived from the Latin menses, which means month. And the word month is a very ancient word. It refers to a period of four weeks which historically is called the moonth. So each one of our months is a moonth. It's four weeks. And the month in Latin is mensis, menstrual menstruation. We also get the word lunatic from the moon. Researchers have shown that violent crime, aggression, animal bites, etc., tend to increase around full moons. Of course, we know the story of the werewolf. And knowledge of the moon is not something that is, in terms of cycles, it's not something confined to contemporary times. Going back over 5,000 years, human beings have been aware of the cycles of the moon. 
Uh, Dr. Philip Stuke from the University of Western Ontario, Canada, found a piece of bone. I believe it was a piece of bone that was like 5,000 plus years old that had the cycle of the moon from new to full all of those 14 days. And we found this in cave paintings, on bones. What we call ancient man had an intimate knowledge of the workings of the heavens. Whether they got that from God or the gods or they developed it themselves, our ancestors were not primitive. Our ancestors were more knowledgeable about the heavens and engineering and mathematics and science than some of the brightest minds in the world today. I think that's a pretty safe assessment to make. And yet we still, with all of our computing power, all of our computer models, we still cannot figure out how the moon was formed. Still can't figure it out. In 1878, George Darwin, related to Charles Darwin, suggested fission theory, that the moon was part of Earth and has slowly moved away, which is kind of true, but not exactly as George Darwin suggested, because scientific evidence shows the moon is actually moving away from the Earth, but it's, it's pretty much at such a slow rate, at such a small percentage, uh, such a small measurement that it's, it's not really relevant to you know, our consideration as human beings. By the time the moon moves too far away, the, the sun would have already exploded, you know, turned into a, a, a red giant and consumed the solar system, as, as the scientists tell us. But I, I don't know what's true. Then there's the co-accretion theory. Uh, this theory is that the Earth accumulated a disk of solid particles like a ring of Saturn, and those particles came together to form the moon in the primordial solar system. Then there is the intact capture theory. This one is makes very little sense that the moon originated far from Earth and became a rogue body, and then it was captured by the gravitational pull of the Earth. Doesn't really account for the, the, the massive size of this object and the effects it would have had on Earth. So the Soviet Union had scientists propose in the 1960s, one V.S. Savrinov, that the moon actually is a result of a planetary object about the size of Mars striking the Earth. And they call this the big whack theory. And then material from the Earth spreading and becoming our moon. But this theory doesn't really account for the speeding up of the Earth's rotation that would have occurred if an object had hit the Earth. So that led to the big whack number two, proposed by Dr. Robin Canup and others suggesting the moon formed from two big whacks. The Earth got hit twice, and that forms the moon. One strike has the Earth spinning super fast, and then the other strike comes in and knocks more material off and then slows the speed of the Earth's spin down. Doesn't really make a lot of sense either, and that is where the mainstream scientific community in 2022 is left regarding the moon. They have no idea. And, uh, you know, if you ask the average earth science or, you know, physics major, whatever, I, I, I need maybe I need to go ask some. I, I don't know what people would say. I mean, it's just you say something like the moon is hollow. The moon doesn't seem to be natural. 
And yeah, people laugh at you. People think it's funny. But what do you know about the moon? What do you think about the moon? How, how, what do you know? What have you learned about the moon? How was the moon formed? Because none of the major theories accurately explain how the moon was formed, where it came from, its composition. None of it makes any sense. William Hartman, a senior scientist of the Planetary Science Institute right here in Tucson, Arizona, said, quote, neither the Apollo astronauts, the Luna vehicle, or all the king's horses and all the king's men could assemble enough data to explain the circumstances of the moon's birth because it's so bizarre and it makes no sense. Now, in Who Built the Moon, Alan Butler and Christopher Knight say oxygen isotopes of the rocks on the moon and on the earth do prove conclusively that they originated at any uh, or at the same distance from the sun, which would not have been the case if the moon had been formed somewhere else, although maybe the moon was formed somewhere else at a similar distance to the sun, and then it was brought here, as some ancient mythologies suggest. I don't know. We don't know. We're going to talk about the moon's construction next, the spaceship moon, and some more moon anomalies right here on The Secret Teachings. Please leave us a review on the podcast players. Please subscribe to our ad-free archive. Please grab a copy of one of my books, and please stay tuned to The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this on the Death Star that is orbiting our planet. We don't know how it was formed, where it came from, what it is, so we just kind of leave it alone and ignore it because it's, it's too much for the scientific community to process. So we got to discuss things like this on our show and read about it and uh, the numerous books written on the subject. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform from Apple and Spreaker to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available as TST Weekends, our one-hour Saturday morning show. Search the show name and start listening today for free. And if you want to avoid those annoying ads, visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our ad-free archive with some of our older shows included. You'll get a private RSS feed and access to the Montage Archive and my digital books. Subscribe today or listen to the free show archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, grab a physical and digital copy of his books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Visit thesecretteachings.info. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, 
facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey there, this is Greg Carlwood of the Higher Side Chats, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. of the 1960s was in response to an event. This is Apollo 18. Do you copy? July 20th, 1969. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. In school, you were taught that Apollo 11 lost contact with the world for two minutes. We now have had confirmation of loss of signal from Apollo 11. Apollo 11 is on the far side of the moon. Neil, you are dark on the rock. Mission is a go. We have 21 minutes. They found something on that day. We're dealing with an intelligent entity. That they kept hidden for 50 years. Dyson Sphere. And now... It's too late to stop. Strange pulsating lights emanating from beneath the moon's crust. Famed cosmologist Carl Sagan's work where he clearly states that an actual satellite cannot be a Illogical space anomaly. So this so-called swarm hit the shuttle. Yes. Every megastructure has a rigid shell built around the power core. To put it bluntly, the moon's megastructure, do you get it? Huge and artificial. But don't even get me started on eclipses. They're only possible because the moon is exactly 400 times smaller than the sun and exactly 400 times closer to the Earth. And Apollo 12 dropped their empty fuel tank. The impact made the moon ring like a bell. Oh! It rang for hours. And do you know why? Because the damn moon is hollow. Welcome back to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. In The Secret Teachings free archive on the many podcast and radio players. And in the advertisement free archive with all of our montages, including our hollow moon montage you're listening to right now at www.thesecretteachings.info If you'd like to contact us, give us your perspective on this, email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com Check us out on Patreon at The Secret Teachings for behind-the-scenes videos and check us out on social media, Facebook, Gab, and Gitter 
I don't know what the moon is. I don't know where it's from. I don't know how it was formed. And neither do our top scientists. They have no idea how the moon was formed. They have no idea where the moon is from. They have no idea what is causing all of the strange and bizarre lunar anomalies that have been witnessed and even documented by NASA from strange lights, the LTPs, to what look like bridges and even large vehicles moving on the surface of the moon. These things that have been documented literally for hundreds of years going back to the 1600s, the 1700s, stuff that you don't really hear about. I mean, when's the last time you heard anything about the moon in general? Back in 2019, there was a study published about the moon that it was 100 million years older than previously thought. That's nature, geoscience, early moon formation inferred from hafnium tungsten systematics. There was a study in 2017, study crashes main moon formation theory. Water particles found on the moon back in 2012. I mean, how many people know this? Because the moon is like one of the most elementary things that we know. It's like a kid's book on astronomy. There's the moon. The cow jumped over it. Man set foot there in 1969. And that's all that we know. Did you know that NASA published a technical report called TR? R-277, back in 1968. That was a year before man stepped foot on the moon. It was a chronological catalog of reported lunar events. It's not hidden. It's not something that you have to dig very deep to find. Just type in NASA Technical Report 277. And I've got this posted to the Facebook page. If you go to facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and you look at our promo for tonight, you'll see it posted there in the comment section, the PDF. Again, you can just copy that, print that out. It's a pretty big document. But again, this was back in 1968. 1968. And there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lunar anomalies that have been seen by amateur astronomers, professional astronomers, etc. There's also that really weird and interesting book by Norman Berggren, who worked for NASA called The Remakers of Saturn. You can find a copy of that also online. Most places you look for free. But we, we just don't know anything about the moon. Uh, the moon is, is something we take for granted. It, it's something that we make these assumptions about it. It's just in the popular culture. We think we know about it but we don't really know about it. What do you know about the moon? Did you know that the moon is mostly heavier on the outside than it is on the inside? And that's official, because when NASA and even the Soviet Union sent probes to the moon, Soviet Union was the first to successfully land one, but when NASA sent probes to the moon, a lot of them crashed or just blew past the moon, because there are these gravitational anomalies that made the the process of putting a probe there, really difficult. It, it, it threw off the probe. It, it, it threw off the, 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 the incredible mathematical equations that you have to 
well, we have computers that do that now, but you have to go through to, to be able to do something like this. And that's not something I can understand. I'm, I'm not mathematically inclined, but I mean, I can appreciate the, the mystery of this at the very least. And I can appreciate the fact that some of the top scientists, some of the top you know, people that have studied the moon at NASA, um, you know, major universities, et cetera, nobody can come to a conclusion on how this thing was formed. Nobody can understand, nobody has an explanation, not only for how this thing was formed, but for the present-day anomalies that even NASA has been keeping track of and cataloging. Weird objects in the moon, flashes of light, things that look like mist or gas or vapor. We have a handful of theories on how the moon was formed. None of them adequately explain it. The moon rotates on its axis at the same rate as its revolution around the Earth, so we always see the dark side. The moon is 400 times smaller than the sun, but it's 400 times closer to the Earth than the sun, meaning that it looks about the same size, and when we have an eclipse, it will totally block out the sun. That, in and of itself, is proof of some kind of intelligent design. And if you divide the circumference of the sun by that of the moon and multiply by 100, you get the circumference the polar circumference of the Earth, if we divide the size of the sun by the size of the Earth and multiply by 100, we get the size of the moon. We know Earth rocks are about 3.5 billion years old, the ones we've, we've looked at. The Earth is about 4.5 billion years old. Moon rocks are as old, if not older, than the Earth. They're about as old as the solar system, and some of the dust on the moon might be older than the rocks, which is contrary to the idea that the rocks have been pulverized and turned into dust. You have these mass concentrations on, on the surface, these gravitational anomalies that are not consistent with relativity. Neither is the idea that the moon is also hollow. Seismic equipment on the moon records thousands of moonquakes every year. They're usually attributed to meteorites and falling debris, etc., we also have reports of what can only be referred to as creaking sounds, kind of like the hull of a ship. As the moon enters a perihelion orbit, the crackling or the creaking, this strange, bizarre sound supposedly intensifies. The perihelion orbit is the point in which the orbit of a planet, comet, asteroid, etc. is closest to the sun. In 1972, the moon was actually hit by a, a meteor with the power of 200 tons of TNT, not a single shockwave came back from the interior. A couple of years before that, the Apollo 12 crew in 1969 sent their lunar module crashing into the moon. It struck with the force of one ton of TNT, and that did cause a shockwave that lasted for about an hour. At 8.09 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, April 14th, Apollo 13 smashed the third stage of the Saturn V launch vehicle weighing 15 tons into the moon. And according to NASA, quote, the moon rang like a bell. Seismic signals produced from Apollo 13 were between 20 and 30 times greater and lasted about four times longer than those from Apollo 12. Reverberations from Apollo 13 lasted about three hours and 20 minutes traveling at a depth, they estimated, of 25 miles, leading to the conclusion that the moon had a light core or no core at all. 
Think about what that means, especially considering that if you have no core, then you have something that is not entirely natural, not entirely organic. This was back in the 1960s and the 1970s, Apollo 12 and Apollo 13. Both of those missions proving to NASA that the moon rang like a bell, that the moon reverberated for over three hours. And just like when that meteor, for example, struck the moon back in 1972, no shockwaves came back, meaning that there was nothing to vibrate off of internally leading NASA to conclude that the moon is essentially hollow. Ken Johnson, a former contract supervisor of the data and photo control programs during the Apollo mission, said it's almost as though it, the moon, had gigantic hydraulic damper struts inside of it. The moon should not have reacted in the way that it did. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's some alien spaceship. It just means that The moon, as we know it, is anything but natural based on our understanding of the laws of of nature and the laws of of physics, etc. Dr. Gordon McDonald, a NASA scientist, also suggested in Astronautics magazine in 1962 that the moon is hollow. He said, if the astronomical data are reduced, it is found that the data require that the interior of the moon is more like a hollow than a homogeneous sphere. So that was years before Apollo 12 or Apollo 13 slammed their lunar module or the third stage of the Saturn V launch vehicle into the moon. Gordon McDonald at NASA said that the moon is likely hollow. Nobel chemist Dr. Harold Urey also suggested the moon's reduced density is because of large areas inside that were, quote, simply a cavity. Dr. Sean Solomon, professor of geophysics at MIT, said something very similar. He said the lunar orbiter experiments vastly improved our knowledge of the moon's gravitational field, indicating the frightening possibility the moon may be hollow. Lon Hood, researcher at the University of Arizona, quote, We knew the moon's core was small, but we didn't know it was this small. This really does add weight to the idea that the moon's origin is unique, unlike any other terrestrial body, Earth, Venus, Mars, or Mercury. End quote. And we can go further and say, unlike any other moon in the solar system, with the exception of a few that have an oppositional rotation to the other moons and to their their home planets. Of course, Carl Sagan said famously, a natural satellite cannot be a hollow object. Erwin Shapiro, scientist from Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, his quote might be even more famous than Carl Sagan's. He said, quote, the best explanation for the moon is observational error. The moon doesn't exist. Now, we've had David Icke on this show, I think, three times now. And uh, one of the last times David Icke came on, this was a while ago, I remember maybe like three years ago, David Icke was on an Australian television program. And I remember listening to 
these news broadcasters and others make fun of David Icke and say that he thinks the moon's hollow and he thinks it's a spaceship. And I've heard other people make fun of David Icke like that before, you know, not people in media, but you know, he he didn't come up with the idea. David Icke didn't come up with the idea that the moon is is a spaceship. David Icke didn't come up with the idea any more than Jim Mars or Alan Butler or you know, any anybody else who's written on this, George Leonard, etc. Because, you know, they they wanted to create some cool science fiction story. Now, this idea was proposed in the 1970s by two Russian scientists, Michael Vassin and Alexander Shcherbakov. They published an article in Sputnik magazine. The name of that article is The Moon, the Creation of Intelligence. This is what they said. It's a long article, but this is what they said. I've summarized the, the long article into just a, a couple of paragraphs. I'm going to read it to you. If you're going to launch an artificial Sputnik, then it is advisable to make it hollow. At the same time, it would be naive to imagine that anyone capable of such a tremendous space project would be satisfied simply with some kind of giant empty trunk hurled into a near-Earth trajectory. It is more likely that what we have here is a very ancient spaceship, the interior of which was filled with fuel for the engines, materials and appliances for repair work, navigation, instruments, observation equipment, and all manner of machinery. In other words, everything necessary to enable this caravel of the universe to serve as a kind of Noah's Ark of intelligence, perhaps even as the home of a whole civilization envisaging a prolonged thousands of millions of years existence and long wanderings through space, thousands of millions of miles. Naturally, the hull of such a spaceship must be super tough in order to stand up to the blows of meteorites and sharp fluctuations between extreme heat and extreme cold. Probably the shell is a double-layered affair. The basis, a dense armoring of about 20 miles in thickness, and outside it some kind of more loosely packed coverings, a thinner layer, averaging about 3 miles. In certain areas where the lunar seas and craters are, the upper layer is quite thin. In some cases, non-existent. So this wasn't proposed by David Icke or Jim Mars or George Leonard or Christopher Knight or Alan Butler or anybody else. This wasn't proposed by wacky conspiracy theorists on YouTube or some late-night radio show. This isn't Alex Jones. This is top Russian scientists in the 70s, suggesting that the moon is actually a spaceship. Now, that doesn't mean that it's a Hollywood spaceship. It just means that the moon itself is something that we, we can't fully understand with our current knowledge. We, we, we just don't, do not have enough information to fully understand it. And that seems to be one of the better theories. That seems to be one of the better theories. Plus, you know, we have spent tens of billions of dollars here in the States on the exploration of the moon and the studying of the moon. We've seen, it's estimated, about 2% of that total data. And that's 2% of only about 20% of the overall data that's even been analyzed by by those working for NASA and at universities, etc. So tens of billions of dollars 
Less than a quarter of the information actually studied and analyzed, and even less than that reported on. We know virtually nothing. We know virtually nothing about the moon. We know that the moon is filled with anomalies. We know that there are things on the moon that just don't make a lot of sense. I want to break this down in the last segment tonight, kind of saving the best for last. Craters with different geometric shapes, symbols on the moon, gas, mist, weird white streaks, reports from Apollo 17 and Apollo 16. They saw flashes of light. This is Lunar Transient Phenomena, LTP, that's been documented by NASA since the 60s. I've got a copy of their technical report 277 here published back in 1968 where they've got a record of hundreds of events on the moon spotted by amateur and professional astronomers alike dating back to the 1500s, the 1500s. Here's one of them here, 1540 region of Calipus. Star-like appearance on the dark side. Here's another one, 1650, Aristarchus. The hill was seen as shining red. 1671, Patatus, small whitish cloud. That's the date, the location, and the description. Here's 18, or excuse me, 1685, December 10th, Plato. A reddish streak on crater floor seen during a lunar eclipse. Also in 1715, May 3rd, lightning on the face of the moon. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. This is official from NASA. So you can say all you want and you can dismiss all you want about you know individual amateur astronomers today, but this is official from NASA back in 1968. They knew that there were some strange things going on on the surface of the moon. And it's likely that as a result of the accumulation of that knowledge mixed with what I, I, I tend to believe was a healthy relationship between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, looking to get to the moon, like our montage said tonight, as this perceptual oppositional space race, which was really forcing the other to produce the best technology so that we as humans could get to the moon to figure out what the hell was there because of all the things that had been seen, all the things that had been witnessed, all the anomalies, all the things that suggest, like the Brookings report did, that we might not be alone on planet Earth and our closest intelligent neighbors might not be that far away. They might only be a few hundred thousand miles. They might be in the night sky. Every night we look up sometimes during the daytime. They might be on the moon right now. And then once we went there and we saw it, we decided we should pretty much shut down exploration of the moon. Now, what was found? There's a lot of things to speculate on. What we know for sure is that official NASA government military acknowledgement is there are bizarre things going on in the moon. We have no understanding of how it was formed. The thing is anomalous in and of itself. It is essentially hollow. It does not abide by the laws of relativity, apparently. And it seems to be artificial, as two Soviet scientists proposed back in the 1970s. Pretty fascinating 
stuff, I think. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you about all those moon anomalies from what look like vehicles on the moon to the tracks of those vehicles to one of my favorite things, the towers on the moon and what look like giant rocks that move on the moon that move down and up craters. Really bizarre stuff. We're going to talk about it when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. White Bat Audio is the music. Check us out at thesecretteachings.info. Subscribe to the show archive. Get access to the shows, the montages, the digital books. Please grab a copy of one of my books. Check us out on Patreon. And also check out our new t-shirts for The Secret Teachings logo with the Tree of Life on TeePublic. There are links on our website as well and facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. It's The Secret Teachings Radio, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, exclusively airing on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform, from Apple to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available is The Secret Teachings Weekends, our one-hour Saturday morning show. Search the name and start listening today for free. But if you want to avoid those annoying ads, head on over to thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to the ad-free archive. It's got old shows, new shows, and you can also download Ryan's digital books. Subscribe today. What are you waiting for? The end of the world? If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of my research in your hands, visit our website and grab physical and digital copies of my books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, theology, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. And food philosophy might just change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Remember, shipping is always included with the books. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and get your copy today. The Secret Teachings is now on Gab and Getter. Search Ryan Gable on both to find the show or stick with The Secret Teachings in the Metaverse. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny we are broadcasting from that neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS app store. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. Do you have everything you need to explore The Secret Teachings? I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. Looks like SpongeBob's ready. Are you? Hey, this is Charlie Robinson, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. This is David Icke from davidike.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Our entire 
space race of the 1960s was in response to an event. This is Apollo 18. Do you copy? July 20th, 1969. Is it a Dyson sphere? I'm not sure if it's a Dyson sphere, but according to NASA, the moon has a very small core or the moon has no core at all. NASA has tracked lunar transient phenomena going back to the 1500s. You can find that in Technical Report 277 or R277, published by NASA and the United States government. Tracking those strange observances on the moon back from the 1500s to the 1960s, up until when the report was published, NASA has told us that they don't really know. Top scientists have told us at major universities, they don't really know how the moon was formed. There's fission theory, co-accretion theory, intact capture theory, the Big Whack Theory and the Big Whack 2 Theory seem to be the only acceptable theories today, but they don't adequately explain how the moon was formed either. Oxygen isotopes of the rocks on the moon and on the Earth tend to prove that the Earth and the moon were formed at the same distance from the sun. Alan Butler suggests in Who Built the Moon that if this is the case, the moon definitely wasn't formed somewhere else. Although there is the possibility that the moon was formed next to a similar planet to Earth, perhaps, if this object is artificial, if it is a spaceship, as two Soviet scientists proposed in the 1970s, as outrageous as that sounds, perhaps the home planet of those beings was the home base to construct this large 
Death Star-like object, and it was in the Goldilocks zone, and then this object was flowing or moved into position around our planet, perhaps as a Noah's Ark, perhaps as a device to monitor and seed life on this planet. There are a lot of possibilities. And considering that the mainstream scientific community, the mainstream academic community, the mainstream of everything, can't figure out what the moon is, can't figure out where it came from, can't really tell us much about the moon. Yet, all the kids' science books and high school science books and college textbooks are filled with all this incredible knowledge that we have about the moon, that the moon has a solid core, and even that the Earth has a solid core, despite new research published in the journal Nature suggesting that we have hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon molecules circulating in the inner core, sloshing around almost like a liquid, and that our core on planet Earth is not so solid. We don't know for sure. But that doesn't tell us that the Earth is an anomaly or filled with anomalies. That just means we're figuring things out. But if the moon is hollow, as Apollo 12 and Apollo 13 provided this data to demonstrate, Apollo 13 crashing the third stage of the Saturn V launch vehicle, weighing 15 tons into the moon, NASA saying the moon, quote, rang like a bell, Apollo 12 sending the lunar module crashing into the moon, striking with one ton of TNT, causing a shockwave that lasted an hour, the Apollo 13 third stage of the Saturn V launch vehicle, caused the moon to reverberate for three hours and 20 minutes. Ken Johnson, former contract supervisor of the data and photo control programs during the Apollo missions, said it, quote, it's almost as though it, the moon, had gigantic hydraulic damper struts inside of it, the way that the moon reacted. Dr. Gordon McDonald, a NASA scientist, suggested in 1962 that if the astronomical data are reduced, it is found that the data require that the interior of the moon is more like a hollow rather than a homogeneous sphere. Nobel chemist Dr. Harold Urey said it was like the moon has basically a cavity. He called it a cavity. Dr. Sean Solomon Geophysics professor at MIT said the lunar orbiter experiments vastly improved our knowledge of the moon's gravitational field, indicating the frightening possibility of the moon being hollow. Lon Hood, researcher at the University of Arizona, said, We knew the moon's core was small, but we didn't know it was this small. This really does add weight to the idea that the moon's origin is unique. Unlike any other extraterrestrial body, Earth, Venus, Mars, Mercury, not just that actually, but moons as well in our solar system. Carl Sagan said a natural satellite cannot be a hollow object, and Erwin Shapiro, scientist from Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, said famously the best explanation for the moon is observational error. The moon does not exist. Now, if you read Somebody Else is on the Moon by George Leonard, I just read that book this week, and then I read through Who Built the Moon, and I've done a handful of shows on the moon before, but I have been taking bits and pieces from other researchers who had, you know, compiled it 
And I went back to the original source of that information for myself, and I read through it. And um, it's mind-blowing. You start to look at the moon. You know, if you look for things, you can find things. But when you look at some of these high-quality, high-resolution images from NASA and JPL, you start to see things that are not natural. You see different geometrical shapes for the size of these craters. You see what George Leonard called rigs on the moon, things that look like cranes, things that he called X drones because they look like big X's. There are crosses, letters, and symbols. There are craters that have material being blown out of them, spraying out of them. There are what things that look like stitches or bridges on the moon. And this has all been documented independently by astronomers for hundreds of years. Gases, mists, etc. But see, gas and mist can't really exist in the way on the moon that it does on Earth because of the, the lack of an atmosphere. So whatever's causing photographs to be taken and picking up this, this blurry image of what looks like dust or something in the, in the air, uh, or the lack of air, is, is something that has to be kicked up with continuous movement. It's not a meteor striking the ground and the photo being taken at the exact same time. Uh, things like mist have been seen on the moon since the 1800s or before. Reddish colors on the floors of craters going back to the 15, 16, 1700s, as NASA themselves have documented. Locations include Plato, the crater, the Apennines, mountains, and a number of other places. Lights have been seen on the moon, white streaks that go across ridges, valleys, and mountains. Patrick Moore wrote in a survey of the moon, the moon is full of puzzles, but it is probably true to say that the most baffling problems of all are set by the bright rays. Not even the most casual observer can overlook them when the moon is near full, but so far nobody has been able to find out precisely what they are. These weird lines that come out of the craters, they say that it's from impact of meteors, but NASA and the astronauts have not been able to come up with a clear explanation for what this stuff is. Lunar transient phenomena, this is one of the most widely reported, documented again by NASA since 1968, going back to the 1500s, all these cases. Harrison H. Schmidt from Apollo 17 said he saw a flash on the lunar surface. Ronald E. Evans from Apollo 17 said, hey, this is a quote. You know, you will never believe it. I'm right over the edge of Oriental. I just looked down and saw a light flash myself. Apollo 16, Ken Mattingly. Another strange sight over here, he says. It looks a flashing light. Think it's Anbel. Anbel was, of course, a code word for things that the astronauts were seeing on the moon. Probably things they expected to see, I'd assume. Now, these lights are not caused by volcanic activity because the moon is basically inactive and dead. However, there are high seismic readings in a lot of areas, despite the fact that the moon is supposedly dead. Meteors are not accounting for the lights that last a minute or more. Sometimes they last an hour. And there's no combustion of escaping gases because fire doesn't burn without available oxygen. So natural explanations do not explain away these lights. White dots of light in an arc, kind of like flares, have been seen in the Maricrisium, which is where the 
intelligent black nano dust nanoparticle nano machine technology comes from in the movie Moonfall. It's in the Maricrisium. That's how the movie starts out. It comes out of the Maricrisium. And that is a location where anomalies have been seen, have been discovered by professionals and amateurs for hundreds of years as well. Then you have the towers. These are one of my my favorite anomalies. The towers that were seen on the moon. Dr. Farouk El-Baz, who worked with NASA astronauts, he taught them, I, I believe it was geology. He said these spires are, quote, taller than the tallest building on Earth. These towers were reported by Ivan Sanderson and a number of others. There are photographs from Soviet probes. You can see domes. You can see towers. You can see spires. Stuff that is, well, it's wacky to say the least. That's really the only word I can, I can come up with to explain it. It's wacky. It doesn't make any sense with conventional knowledge, that is. Then you get probably my favorite set of anomalies. According to the Apollo 17 Preliminary Science Report published in 1973, I'm going to read you a paragraph from it, 34 tracks in the Apollo 17 landing area were measured and investigated. Length of tracks ranged from 0.1 km to point, uh, or 2.5 km, with an average length of about 0.75 km. Track widths ranged up to 16 meters, about 38 feet, with an average width of over 18. Most of the objects to which the tracks were attributed were wider by 20 to 30% than the tracks themselves. So they likely, these big rocks, did not cause these tracks. The tracks are found also in clumps. Of the 34 boulder tracks studied, a causative boulder could be located in only eight cases. Now that's from Apollo 17. That is officially from NASA. And what does that tell us? NASA was monitoring tracks. They even put this out as their preliminary science report. Tracks on the moon that were created by something. And there is no distinct definitive proof that rocks, large boulders, caused these tracks considering that most of the tracks had no causative boulder nearby. Only 8 of 34 cases. And most of the tracks were actually wider. Track widths range up to 16 meters to 18 meters and were 20 to 30% larger than the boulders themselves. Jack Harrison Schmidt on Apollo 17, Jack H. Schmidt, also said, I see tracks running right up the wall of the crater. Tracks, again, were moving up the walls of craters. Dr. Farouk El-Baz, the Apollo geologist, said, We may be looking at artifacts from extraterrestrial visitors without recognizing them. Now, this is all NASA. This is all stuff that has been quietly and conveniently kept out of your earth science and your you know, basic scientific classes, high school, middle school, etc. And it's something that we just kind of assume, well, the moon's there, it's in our backyard, so we must have already figured it out. 
We don't really want to go back to the moon, so we got to figure it out. We don't think anything of it. And I think that's arrogant, and I think it's also reasoned. I think there's a reason why we don't go back to the moon. I think we saw enough, and I think that the military and governments of the world know what's there, and movies like Moonfall with this dramatic, hyperbolic exaggeration of reality condition the public to, to, to think, well, the moon's cool. That's, that'd be cool if it's hollow. It's like a spaceship. You know, that's kind of interesting. Not knowing that NASA said it was hollow, not knowing that top scientists at NASA and people like Carl Sagan said that the moon is hollow, that it can't be a natural body if it's hollow, that the rocks are older than, you know, the solar system. Some of them are the same age as the solar system, and they're different than the rocks on Earth. And although they share some similarities, it's, it's like Alan Butler said in Who Built the Moon, it's almost like part of the moon's material was taken from the Earth. It's much lighter. The heavy materials on the outside, it's like this thing was constructed. And that's what they talk about in Moonfall, that it's, you know, a mega structure, a Dyson sphere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, back in... The 1960s, the Brookings Institute report came out, late 1960s, or late 1960, early 1960s, called the Proposed Studies on the Implications of Peaceful Space Activities for Human Affairs. And it warned, not of a threat from UFOs, but of the disintegration of society if the reality of extraterrestrial beings became official public knowledge. Although uh, comprising, you know, a, a lot of incredible detail, the report went further by acknowledging that, quote, artifacts left at some point in time by these life forms might possibly be discovered through our space activities on the moon, Mars, or Venus. It also goes on to say, anthropological files contain many examples of societies sure of their place in the universe, which have disintegrated when they had to associate with previously unfamiliar societies espousing different ideas and different life ways, others that survived such an experience usually did so by paying the price of changes in values and attitudes and behavior. Very similar to what Dr. Farouk Elbaz, the apologologist, said, we may be looking at artifacts from extraterrestrial visitors without recognizing them. We don't know. But it goes on and on and on. I.A. Shlavosky. I.A. Shlavosky suggested the moons of Mars were artificial because of their behavior. And it's interesting because the moons of Mars are really, really tiny. And it's believed that at least one of those moons, Phobos and Deimos, is also hollow. That would be two moons in a very small area of space that were both artificially hollowed out in some capacity. Of course, Arthur C. Clarke suggested the first moon of Jupiter might be a spaceship from outside the solar system. Arthur C. Clarke wrote, I pointed out certain peculiarities of the satellite and developed the idea that it was a giant spacecraft which ages ago had entered into the solar system and then been parked in orbit around Jupiter while its occupants went off and um, they went off in more conveniently sized vehicles to colonize the planets. We also have four retrograde moons 
In our solar system, all four have revolutions, unlike others, of 600 to 700 days. All small like the moons of Mars, except our moon, our moon is immense. But it's also very, very light. And it is itself an anomaly. For example, Phobos is an anomaly. Phobos goes around Mars three times while the planet rotates once. We have photographs from NASA that there are monolithic-like structures on the planet Mars. We have photographs all throughout from Halio Observer and uh, various other uh, NASA platforms that show us strange cylindrical-like objects near the Sun, near Mars, and of course near Saturn. Norman Berggren wrote in Remakers of Saturn about those very large vehicles, he called them electromagnetic, electrostatic vehicles. Those are immense, immense vehicles, some of them larger than the size of Earth. But if we go back to we go back to the 1600s, um, Cassini, for whom the you know Cassini is named after, Cassini saw a satellite orbiting Venus in 1672. That's not something you learn in, in class. Giovanni Cassini saw a satellite orbiting Venus in 1672. It was also documented by other astronomers and scientists and reported from 1672 to 1764, over 100 years, or about 100 years, this thing was reported. Its orbit and distance from Venus were calculated. It was estimated to be 2,000 miles in diameter. And then in 1774, it just vanished and was never seen again. Asif Hall, who discovered the moons of Mars in 1877, although they had been talked about and written about before. Phobos and Deimos were known about long before they were officially discovered. George Leonard said in Someone Else is on the Moon something really interesting. The one thing I thought was probably... I don't know, it was kind of the most mind-blowing to me, was that there is a planet called Vulcan. It was discovered in the 1700s. This is what Leonard wrote. It was the name of a planet discovered in 1762 and reported by hosts of astronomers for the next century. The orbit of Vulcan was calculated. It was inframercurian, that is, inside the orbit of Mercury, closer to the sun. The last observation was in 1876. So what we have here from what Giovanni Cassini had documented in the 1600s, which is just stunning, he documented that there was a satellite of Venus to the so-called planet Vulcan that had been identified by astronomers in the 1700s, to the hollowness of our moon, the strange behavior of the moons of Mars, the potentiality that at least one of those is hollow. Even the suggestion by Arthur C. Clarke that one of the moons of Jupiter is hollow. The artificial behavior of many of these moons, the retrograde movement of these moons. As Isaac Asimov said, it is a shame that one small thing remains unaccounted for, one trifling thing I've ignored so far, but what in blazes is our moon doing way out there. All of these things add up to we have no idea. All we can do is speculate and perhaps it is 
our modern space age that makes us, or our lack of a modern space age, honestly, really, because we don't really, you know, look at that. And we have private companies that do it now. It's kind of an embarrassment and a joke, but we have, we have no understanding of how the moon was formed. We have no understanding of the anomalies of the moon. And we just think it's okay to keep telling kids the moon is solid, the moon is normal. We don't even teach children. We don't even learn ourselves through genuine inquiry that the moon shouldn't be there in this capacity. The moon is 400 times closer to the earth than the sun. It's 400 times smaller, which is making it, it's 400 times smaller than the sun, making it a perfect object to block the sun out for, a, for an eclipse. I mean, it was placed there with intelligent precision. And the moon is loaded with bizarre anomalies, lights, tracks, white lines, objects that look like symbols that we don't know what they mean. Not to mention that here on Earth, we have rocks that move based on weather, based on an environment out in Death Valley. And I've talked about for years, I think that those Death Valley rocks that move because of the environment, if that's happening on the moon, because of the, the moisture that gets, that, gets, you know, that gets accumulated under the rock at night, and then it, it freezes, and then the rock slides, and then you know, the, the ice melts, and then you just have this rock that moved you know, 50 feet, 100 feet, a half a mile, whatever. If that's happening on the moon, there's an atmosphere there. That's not what we're told, though. And, and I don't think it's an atmosphere. I think, as the preliminary science report of, of Apollo 17 said, I mean, they, they looked at these tracks, they're bigger than the boulders that they associate with the tracks. Something is moving on the surface of the moon. And some of the moons in our solar system have been there and then disappeared within a matter of a couple of decades, a couple of hundred years. That tells you that these things have some kind of intelligent drive behind them. They have some kind of, of intelligence moving them throughout the solar system. And, and, and we can only speculate based on what we know in our current day and age that these objects are basically enormous spaceships as the two Russian scientists suggested back in the 1970s, Michael Vassin and Alexander, Alexander uh, Sherbakov in Sputnik magazine, Is the Moon the Creation of Intelligence? And knowing what we know now from tonight's broadcast and learning that the Earth has not so much of a solid core either. Is this now going to be taught in school? Is this going to be taught if you take an astronomy class or a, 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 a geology class or an earth science class or you know a physics class? I mean, that, that changes our understanding of the earth. It changes our understanding of the solar system. It changes our understanding of everything if the earth's core isn't even solid, if the moon has no core. I mean, maybe all these anomalies are just because we are very arrogant and egotistic in what we think we know about the universe. And that certainly, that has to be at least a little bit of it. The rest of it is, all the evidence seems to suggest, all the evidence seems to, 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 to push us in the direction of being unable to dismiss the idea that what we see in the heavens, that object that we say is our moon, our satellite, belongs to us, it might not belong to us as humans. It actually might belong to something or someone else, and they may be on the moon right now on this Death Star that we take for granted with our elementary assumptions 
about its history makeup and its countless anomalies, about its composition, about how it is hollow, heavier materials on the surface. I mean, our moon is anything but easy to explain through conventional scientific knowledge. The photos of the surface, when you look at them, read more like a science fiction story. NASA has known this. This is probably why we've never gone back to the moon. This is probably why we just tend to ignore the moon. We allow the idea that the moon landing was a hoax to proliferate because it takes our attention away from the photographs, takes our attention away from the videos and the statements from NASA that they don't know what it is. They don't know where it came from. It's not only anomalous. It's not only like a science fiction story. It's downright otherworldly and otherworldly way beyond our lack of scientific knowledge where the evidence seems to suggest and show that the moon is under intelligent control. And I know that sounds so funny and so silly, but if you listen to the information tonight, you might start to look up in the night sky and see the moon as something more than just that great reflector in the sky. Please subscribe to our archive at thesecretteachings.info. Get access to the shows that are ad-free, the montages of my digital books. Check us out on Patreon. Grab one of the Secret Teachings Tree of Life t-shirts on TeePublic and on our website, thesecretteachings.info. Email us rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Thank you for tuning in tonight. The Secret Teachings. But don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on the Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.